Wale. DC, that's me, huh? My pride is say Prada and they pride is say Fila. I ain't gotta tell you, they know about me, huh? Just come to DC and I can make you a believer. See, baby, I'm a leader. They away from a Libra. And I ain't trying to lead you wrong, sugar. I need ya. So would you please listen to what I'ma need from ya? Live for tonight before tomorrow's amnesia. show this episode is part two of my conversation with troy halbarden go check out part one as well enjoy they're one game under 500 but hey you got the blazers coming in monday mlk day washington dc you got the mlk monument you got the history day matinee you got a day off the, the blazers are on a road trip they just got smoked by the terrible sixers everything's looking good this looks like a, a, the wizards have usually played pretty well on MLK, uh, I've been to a lot of games. They've usually won, even sometimes when the team was better. Uh, yeah, dude, that's not what happened. Uh, they came out flat, really, really terribly. Uh, they came, they scored 17 points in the in the yeah. uh, first quarter, and then they scored 40 in the second. Come out flat again in the third quarter, and it was pretty much a blowout loss, even though it was only 10 points. You were there at the Verizon Center. Tell me your experience. And what was that all about? What, what was your takeaways from uh, MLK Day and, and the ass whooping that the Blazers put on the Wiz? Yeah, I, I think that you know this this was a, an alarming game as a Wizards fan because by all accounts, from Wizards players, from the Wizards coaches, everybody knew that Portland was going to bring their A game. You know, this is the NBA. They know that, you know, Portland suffered an embarrassing loss to the worst team in the NBA. And, you know, there, there was no doubt about it with those guys they have over there in Portland locker room, high-character players, that they would be bringing their best effort today. And it seems as though the Wizards from the chunk weren't ready to match that intensity and play a meaningful NBA game that day. And so I think that they started out so flat that, you know, it's it's hard in the NBA to, you know, make multiple runs like they did. Like they, they made the run in the second quarter scoring forty points and getting back into the game. But once they came out flat again in the in the second half, I think, you know, it was over at that point. You you, you can't make two fifteen point comebacks in one game or me you can, but you know, it's it's a rare occurrence, you know, for NBA basketball. And I think that, you know, basketball-wise, I think that a lot of it had to do with, you know, poor defensive scheme on uh, Randy Whitman's part. You know, the Wizards were very aggressive in trapping uh, Portland guards, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, they have to read the scouting report and know that, you know, C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard are some of the best ball handlers in the NBA. And if you want to, you know, try to trap them, uh, at the top of the key, you know, you have to be willing to close, play good closeout defense knowing that they're going to be able to split a lot of those double teams, you know, and it makes it a lot easier for them to be able to split those double teams when, you know, you're, you're playing your archaic lineup for the first time all season. 
you know, I think that that was a narrative that will definitely, you know, stick with the Wizards for a while. The fact that, you know, Randy Whitman kind of reverted back to old habits by inserting and they were taught in the game at the same time. You know, and I think that, you know, that really hurt the Wizards, you know, as a as the Blazers were just kind of whipping the ball around the perimeter, you know, until they found an open three-point shooter, knowing that, you know, the Wizards' bigs weren't going to be able to close out two to three passes per possession. So, you know, I think that, you know, that was another instance where the Wizards are going into the game and, you know, they're, they're getting out coached. They're, they're basically starting down before they even start because they're getting out coached. So, you know, that, it, that win, that loss was just, just very disheartening, you know, as a, as a Wizards fan, knowing that, you know, they knew they were going to receive Portland's best punch. And, you know, they, they basically just got socked in the mouth. Yeah, it was very disappointing in the sense that, that they needed this victory and being DC and on MLK day and everyone, you know, they're having, they had MLK shoes, you know, there's festivities. The monument is, is right down the road. You know, it's a 15 minute walk from the arena and you know, they, everyone talks about it and it's kind of a big deal, you know, in the NBA, the NBA does an awesome. It's, it's definitely a big deal, especially in DC. Yeah, I think that you know, there's parade going on. People don't work. Right, I mean, like people don't work. Most people are out, so you got this yeah, matinee, and, and just to come out there and just, just because I felt like in the past yeah, that that, yeah. that, that, and, that and for once, you know, the you know the fans actually showed up and showed out early in the Verizon Center for this for this game. You know, you know, DC is a kind of a notoriously later rising sports town, but you know, everybody said where. You know, there's such a large uh, portion of people who live in this area who are government workers. I don't, I don't think anybody could work on Monday. So there were people there at the arena ready to cheer. So it wasn't as if, you know, they the players could even, you know, blame a uh, bland atmosphere for them getting off to such a sluggish start. Yeah, I mean... And I think that... Uh, no, they have, you know, like a lot of families. I mean, kids are out of school. I mean, it, you know, there's a. I saw a lot of stuff in the crowd. They showed a lot of, you know, young kids or their parents. Like, this seemed like a pretty, pretty decent crowd, and just for them to come out flat in that environment on a on a special holiday was extra disappointing. I know it has nothing to do with what was going on on the court, but here it is: the the NBA, you know, does this holiday very well. They have all these games throughout the day. And, I mean, aside from Memphis, D.C. is, like, number two, right, on the list. I mean, I have a dream speech. All that is, like, right there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I, I think that the NBA, they, they do a, a great job of, you know, you know kind of you know, promoting, you know, different heritage. And, you know, they, they do a great job with even, like, like the, the, the both Spurs jerseys and, you know, they, they do a great job of, you know, having, you know, Mad Men games on NLK Day. You know, they do they do a great job in the month of February for, you know, a lot of Black History Month things. And I feel like, you know, the the Wizards, you know, have definitely been uh, a franchise that has, you know, gotten out in front of, you know, staying active in the community. And, you know, just as, you know, I don't think you've – have you talked about uh, Bill and uh, – uh, and Alan Anderson actually uh, showed up to 
No, that is definitely pretty neat, and and the people that do all the community. No, I think uh, Garrett, Garrett Temple gave a, a, a great speech uh, before the the, the contest uh, kicked off. Um, I actually know for that Garrett Garrett Temple is a you know a fraternity brother of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. So, to the yeah, I saw him. I saw him uh, retweeted. I saw a clip of it. It was on Instagram. It was pretty neat. Uh, he's a very well spoken, very thoughtful guy. And I'm glad that he was able to be the one to talk. Uh, just going back to the basketball part, the Portland was 17 to 31 from threes, dog. I mean, you know what I mean? Like 17 to 31. I mean, you're not going to beat anyone with 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 that type of type of numbers from opponent. Yeah, I mean, they were blazing hot from three point range, and I think uh, well, yeah, a large part of it was uh, you know Myers Leonard coming off the bench. And, you know, he, he looked like I saw, uh, uh, you know, a couple of people tweeting that Myers Leonard looked like Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, and, God. you know, if, if you squint your eye a certain way, I mean, that, he, he pretty much did, you know, uh, his best Dirk impression that night. So I think that, you know, C.J. McCollum, you know, he, I, I still cannot believe that, you know, the, the leap that he has made you know, as as a player, and you know he they well the Trailblazers literally laid a claim to you know being one of the best backcourts in the NBA. You know, with you know McCollum and Damian Lillard, who are both averaging more than twenty points per game. You know, they 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 really brought it to Walls and Beal, even though Beal is coming off of the bench. But I think that you know everything with Portland starts with those two players. And they were able to, you know, get everybody else involved to the point where, you know, the the, the Wizards just weren't able to, you know, maintain the same level of intensity that they were playing with. And not to mention that uh, Wizards killer Joe Henderson got into the game, got into the mix and started making a couple plays. Um, you know, but Portland, Portland, they have a they have a good young nucleus and. You know, they they showed a lot of character. I think that that's something that, you know, the Wizards would also do is put in that position, getting embarrassed by teams that, that, you know, you know that you should be. You're going to obviously bring forth your best effort in the next game. So I think that, it, you know, uh, the timing of it is, you know, kind of off for the Wizards. Of course, they would have loved that Portland could have taken care of business against Philadelphia and, you know they they might not be coming in as as angry on Martin Luther King Day as they did uh, against the Wizards yesterday. Yeah, no, the loss really epitomizes, symbolizes whatever Isaiah you want to add to the season. Once again, to these these dismal themes where you have a, a team they should beat, they don't. Uh, they give up ridiculous, ridiculous numbers. Yeah, they, ridiculous numbers at the three point line, right? So the, the team shoots, you know, seventeen thirty one. The Wizards at one point were, you know, at historically low, going to give up the worst ever. Uh, but at home, they're they're not as bad anymore, but it's still pretty terrible. At home, they're giving up forty one opponents now are shooting forty one percent from three at home at the Ryzen Center. And this ties into the next topic is that the Wizards are now nine and thirteen 
at the Verizon Center, at the phone booth. They've lost 13 games at home, and they can't defend the three at home. They come out flat at home. We've now mentioned all these good games that we mentioned, and the ones we've mentioned that they struggled at were all at home. The good games we mentioned were on the road. It seems like everything is just the same kind of themes. They, sh- they can get it together on the road. They come home, should beat a team. They don't. They lay an egg, whether it's the Rockets, whether it's the, you know, I mean, pick a team. The Heat getting crushed, whether it's the Blazers getting crushed. It, it's teams that she should not be being crushed by, and they're losing. And it's and it's it's really sim- kind of similarly not being able to defend the three-point line. And the numbers, this is the stats don't lie section of the podcast. The numbers are kind of alarming. I mean, they last year were 29 and 12 at home. Two years ago, they were 22 and 19. And three years ago, they were 22 and 19. Now, that 22 and 19 in 2012 13 coincided with John Wall missing most of, most of that season or the first part of that season. What is there no answer to this? Like, why are they so bad at home? Well, I think that uh, maybe some of the problems with the Wizards playing at home has to do with, you know, D.C. kind of being a, you know, a, a very much, you know, late working town. I know, of, you know, my parents, a lot of kids' parents that I grew up with, they don't get off work until, you know, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock a lot of nights. And I think that it's uh, hard for a lot of people to, you know, leave their jobs and get down to the arena, you know, with such a, you know, quick turnaround, I think that, you know, it would probably behoove the Wizards to, you know, push the start back times, you know, to 7.30, maybe even 8 o'clock sometimes to, you know, to allow fans, you know, more time to get to the arena. I think that uh, another thing, I think, you know, it's hard. D.C., has this very interesting relationship with their professional basketball franchise. I think that, you know, the Wizards were bad for so many years that, you know, it, it, it's kind of, you know, it's taken a little bit longer than people expected for, you know, the whole city to, to get behind the franchise. And I think that, you know, the Wizards have great fans, you know, but, you know, the Wizards tickets aren't really, you know, as cheap as they are, you know, around other arenas across the country. You know, you can still get good Wizards tickets for fairly cheap. But, you know, I Ted, Ted jacked the prices up, you know, two years ago. It's the second the team got good. He didn't, you know, he didn't wait around for them to get really good. He, you know, he jacked the prices up like like, like they turned into, you know, perennial you know, conference finals, you know, participants overnight. So I think that, that, you know, that's one thing that can contribute to them playing, you know, um, not poorly at home, but, you know, I think that, you know, like you said, that the fact that they've already lost 13 home games this year when they lost 12 all of last year, but that, that should be a little bit alarming. And I think that, you know, also there's, they, they might be missing that veteran presence, that veteran leadership that, you know, a Paul Pierce brought to them last year. The year before, you know, they had, you know, Andre Miller was on the team. Al Harrington was a, you know, a voice in the locker room. You know, I think that this is Wall's first year where he is not only the leader on the court, 
but he has also had to step up as, you know, as a more vocal leader in the locker room. And I think that, you know, that that takes time. That takes a transition for him as well, you know, to be able to lead, you know, his guys. And, you know, playing playing at home where you don't really have this, you know, decisive home court advantage. And, you know, it needs a, you need a strong leader to be able to, you know, galvanize everyone together to, you know, make sure they're putting forth their best effort every single night. This is what uh, Garrett Temple said when he was asked about it. He said, uh, when we go on the road, we're focused as this us-against-the-world mentality. I really don't know why we can't win at home. It's perplexing, to say the least. I heard John said Boston had half the arena Saturday night. Maybe we accept that. Maybe we embrace that and act like it's a road game. Whatever it takes. we gotta find a, we got to find a way to get it done. So maybe, here, here's the thing about focus on me against the world. Maybe, you know, they get the side chick bringer, um, the groupies. We got to put them, we got to get them home. Because obviously the groupies, are, <laughs> obviously, obviously the side chicks and the groupie things working well on the road. Whatever they're doing on the road, you know, the clubbing, the partying. I was, I, I'm not, obviously I'm joking. I don't have any inside information. But whatever they're really doing out there, you know, whatever the life of an NBA baller, and we know it's alive. <laughs> we do know it's alive, especially on the road. Do we need a, is there just too many, too many distractions at home? Is that it? I mean, I just find that bizarre. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, maybe maybe they need to employ uh, making the players sleep in the hotels for, you know, home games <laughs> so they can so they can kind of get into a groove plan at home. But I think that, you know, maybe, maybe this is just uh, one of those typical anomalies that, you know, will kind of, you know, regress towards the mean as the season goes along. You know, I know uh, one thing. I'm actually sitting here looking at the uh, the ESPN RPI rankings, which is basically you know weighting the strength of schedule and you know, all these different factors. And Wizards have played the toughest strength of schedule so far this season. So I think that you know, having not gone through uh, half of the season yet. And having to have played the toughest schedule so far, um, I think that, you know, things can change going forward. You know, we're going to get, you know, the Brooklyn Nets coming into Verizon. We're going to get the Sixers coming into Verizon. You know, we're, we're going to get some of these teams that, you know, we're, you know, penciling in right now as fans on the schedule as when, you know, some of these games are going to, you know, start actually happening. And I think that, you know, that will, you know, help balance all out in the seasons all said and done. No, now, we, we, we mentioned Bradley Beal's return and his rust and him coming back. And, you know, he had an awesome game against Indiana that he took the night off against Boston. And yesterday, you know, he played okay. I mean, they were so out of it by the time he kind of got going a little bit. Uh, but he was kind of a non-factor in the second half. Pretty much everyone was on that team, so I don't really hold that against him. His comments cause a kerfuffle amongst uh, Wizards fans, and I, I think Comcast was making it a question, and if Sports Talk Radio cared about the Wizards at all, they would probably talk about it all week. Uh, I'm like, you know, that, that, that football team that they can constantly talk about which, uh, you know, is popular, but not to the extent of... Or, it's popular, but the extent the media drives the popularity compared to, to act like there's no other sports fans here in the city is what 
is what drives me nuts. But uh, that's another discussion for another day. But the debate basically was about Beal commenting, saying that maybe this minutes restriction he's on might have to be for his whole career. Uh, I don't. I wasn't there for that quote. I didn't really see. Sometimes some of Beal's quotes are, are in jest. You know, they, they they come across. They look a lot harsher on the screen on your on your smartphone than they actually are in real life. What was your thoughts on that? And is that something to be? Is that just Beal being Beal yeah. and talking? Or or to me, I was not really that alarmed at all about it, honestly. But I, well, how about I'm, you? I'm also not alarmed at all about that. I think that. You know, I think that Bill knows that, you know, this could be a potential issue for him going forward. And I think that, you know, self-preservation is the key to life. And I think that he's, you know, looking out for himself. He's looking out trying to make sure that, you know, he has, gets, his, gets his money, man. <laughs> you know, his career that he possibly has. <laughs> so I think that, you know, for him, but, but for him to make these comments, Especially having Matt Inkiv, you know, his uh, deal going forward with the Wizards, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it can raise an eyebrow, uh, but at this point of the season, you know, like much thing to worry about than, you know, Brad, Bradley Bill's, uh, you know, attempt at getting the minutes restriction put on for for the rest of the season or forever. I think that, you know, I think that one thing that, uh, one thing that good could come from this is the fact that, you know, it gives Whitman an excuse to, you know, kind of stagger Wall and Bill's minutes. And I think that that's something that uh, both of those players have, you know, kind of uh, echoed in the past, you know, that I think that Wall and Bill, with them being, as I keep saying over and over, they're the only creators that the Wizards have on offense. So the the more that they can, you know, stagger their minute and have at least one playmaker on the court at all times, you know, that that kind of you know plays to the Wizards' advantage. So, and I think that you know we can kind of get away with it because of the way that Garrett Temple has been playing. That you know you, you don't really need Bill to you know be playing 35 minutes a game. I think that he can. He's also the type of player that you know can be very effective in you know 25, 27 minutes per game. So I think that this is one of those situations where there is a you know wait and see basis. I think that you know uh, well. I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how they utilize him uh, in these back-to-back situations going forward. Like, is, is he going to sit? Is he not going to play back-to-backs anymore? Like, then th- that's when I would start, you know, getting a little bit more concerned if, you know, or if he has to, you know, potentially match more time because of the lower leg injury. I think that, you know, Bill has gone through a pattern through his first few years in the league where, you know, he kind of starts out the season, and then I think, you know, after a little bit of wear and tear, you know, his legs kind of give out for a little bit. I think he, then he rests, and then he's been able to come back, you know, each of the last few years and, you know, 
make a make a good finish to the season. So I think that you know if if that can happen again, then you know I think that we might be making a much bigger deal about you know the comments. But you know if he continues to get hurt, then you know then we 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 have a, a real issue on our hands. Well, I, I, the 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 part of the concern from fans or people online is the fact that he's only 22 years old and he's already given comments that I'm going to live my exactly, rest exactly. of my career. And, and now when he's, and he's up for a payday and there's up for this big decision the wizards have, which to me, I don't think is really a big decision. I think they're going to give him the money regardless. I don't, I don't see them having really any other options. So, but yet depending on what his price is, I think he's going to get the max regardless as well. So we can debate that later on down the day. But I think those are the two things where I see, hey, the Wizards, he's about to get his money from the Wizards, and he's only 22, and he continually gets hurt. He's hurt again. We can't get him for two or three months. He's pretty damn good when he's good. And now he's out there. Now he's kind of, he's he's reinforcing our doubts by saying, oh, maybe I'm on a minutes limit. And, and, and I, so... I, so I'm not going to like belittle people's warrior concern. I just feel that it isn't too much to make into it because it will all play itself out. We will see what will happen with Bradley Beal. I think that, that your point is about the back-to-back is, is one to keep an eye on. Uh, Bradley Beal is sensational when he plays basketball. He's developed. What I saw in that Indiana Pacers game was, was phenomenal. I was like, oh, my gosh, he was playmaking, step back, being a badass, got hit in the Face talking shit, Ding up, Duncan. I mean, there was there was floaters, pull ups. It was the game that we'd seen his game evolve. He was no longer just this guy who's going to spot up off the of threes from John Wall. He was developing that. Now, once again, as a small sample size, he didn't play the next night and didn't really then play like you know, like I said, meh on on Monday. So we'll see here in the next week. I really expect him to really have a really big couple games here in the fall in the upcoming weeks and his comments about his minutes restrictions will I, I think will just come to pass and no one will really remember them per se yeah I, I think uh, overall much to do about nothing I agree well speaking of injuries let's go into the injury report uh, this section is sponsored by no one because I have no sponsors but let's just sponsor it by DC Brow it's great beer uh, go go get that for your Washington DC. Uh, all, yeah, all, all I'm, times. I'm a corruption man myself. There we go, corruption DC Brow, your local your local uh, beer here in the District of Columbia. Uh, Otto Porter still out with a bruised hip, strained hip. Kind of worried that it's the same injury that he that made him miss the the, the first part of his rookie year. Uh, we got Chris Humphrey still out with his sore knee. And we have Drew Gooden with a calf that he told us told the reporters today that he does not have to go get his third MRI on his calf this year. That his calf feels good enough that he doesn't have to get an MRI. So take that as you will. I guess that is positive news for uh, the Drizzle, who actually also had a really good game for Chicago Bulls. Uh, I don't want to not mention because he played really well in that game. Kind of a little throwback, uh, Drew Gooden, to his KU days. He was making all sorts of crazy hustle plays and tip-ins. Uh, and, and Drew, I think, can make it. Drew's going to be a, a guy that can kind of make some plays here in the playoffs or some big games down the stretch. So hopefully he gets well. And, and this team needs Chris Humphreys is, 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 additionally. 
they need his rebounding. You know, we 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 talked a lot about Chris Humphrey's adjustment to the to the new pace and space ball, and you know, I, I still think that he's yeah. maybe. No, maybe, I think the team definitely uh, misses He's the third big. I mean, he really is the third big, and he is maybe the, the you know the second four man, the third five, and in, in in the backup to to Dudley. I mean, exactly. And, and well, that, I think. Humphrey, you know, he, he's a legitimate uh, third big on, you know, pretty much any NBA roster. Um, I think that, you know, he uh, he would option at the um, power four position because, you know, while he, he can shoot threes, uh, he doesn't really bring anything else to the table that, you know, you would consider, you know, him a stretch four, but... I mean, I think that he, he's a he's a good rebounder, and you know, I think that you know the the rebounding at the four position has been a weak spot for this team all season long. I mean, Jared Dudley knocks down threes, and he can play you know uh, you know above average defense on you know most NBA power forwards. But I mean, his his rebounding numbers are. You know, very, 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 very low this season. I think he's averaging three point six rebounds per game, and you know, but so Humphrey, you know, he brings um, he brings a little bit more to the table as far as you know the physicality, uh, and he's a and he can play some backup five, which is a which is a big thing, you know, especially when you're, you're knowing that you're going to be without Nene for you know a lot of games throughout the season. So, and I think the, the, the supporter injury is also, you know, very critical at this point because well, it's definitely the most critical injury of the injuries that we have left right now. Correct. Uh, because because Otto literally is the key to playing the small ball lineup. You have to have the one wing player who has the length to be able to guard you know, six eight, six nine, sometimes six ten players. You know, but he also has the quickness to you know switch off on to you know the point guards and the shooting guards. So you know the the way that the Wizards envisioned themselves playing based off of last year's performance coming into this year. You know, Otto is kind of a a key to all of that. You know, from the defensive end. So. You know, I think that, you know, with his injury right now, you know, I think, you know, that, that pretty much sent Whitman into panic mode, you know, without, because he doesn't trust, uh, Ubre enough to, you know, put him in that position to have him, you know, making a lot of, uh, decisions on the defensive end as far as, you know, switching and trapping and, um, positioning and being in the, you know, proper help position. He did, I don't think he trusts Ubre enough. So, you know, I think that when Porter comes back, you know, he's gonna he's gonna slide right back into his role as the starting small forward, and he's gonna be able to move over and be that you know small ball four man that allows the the Wizards to you know play the style that they've grown accustomed to. No, yeah, I think that Ubre's has earned a little bit more trust than Whitman has allowed, especially over a few games that I've, I've seen in the fourth quarter. But it also is a lot to expect out of a 20-year-old rookie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, exactly. It's, exactly. Like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like, 
you know, like this is Otto's third year. You know, we talked about this is his first year being the man, but he did have two years in the NBA to learn behind Paul Pierce, to learn from Bradley Beal, to learn from, you know, to learn from John Wall, to be around veterans. And here you got this guy who's basically, you know, just, he was 19 years old, just turned 20. And he's, this all new to him. He's got a lot going on. He can't even drink, can't even buy a beer for God's sakes. And, and, and a lot for him, you should be a sophomore in high, in college. Think about how maturity level you were at sophomore in college. And, and so for him to expect him just to go in there and not mess up at all, even though he has played well, I, it's just hard for me to think that where this team has to, has to be, especially with the veterans they have, and especially with the goals they have, to throw this rookie out there and expect him to be better than he is, I kind of share, uh, share kind of Whitman's concern a little bit from a from an overall thing, but I also think that if you look game by game, that he has he has deserved more run. He he's, he just well he earned his starting spot. I mean out of necessity, I guess somewhat. But but going back to your original point, that Otto is definitely more of a polished player, especially on defensive end, and what they want to do from the trapping standpoint, especially on you know the icing. And, you know, we've seen them switching a lot more than they have, which has got them into trouble. But, you know, Otto can really guard the best player. You know, ho- hopefully that will give, you know, alleviate Garrett Temple a little bit from kind of switching down. Right. So uh, I think that, you know, I, I would love to actually see, you know, some lineups that include Otto and Uwe playing together. You know, I think that, I think that those two would. You we know, saw that of, a little bit, right? You know, there were some games that we saw know, that, right? Yeah. About opposing, you know, wing players, and um, Ubre, he's not in the position right now where where he he knows 100 percent of the times where he's supposed to be on the court. And I think for a real old school coach like Randy Whitman, you know, that's a that's a very big deal for him. Like literally just being where you're supposed to be, and I think that Ubre has you know kind of gotten away with being in the wrong position sometimes because of that 7-2 wingspan. So, and, and I think that, you know, as you alluded to, Whitman has had to kind of play him out of necessity, you know, and this is kind of a, a rare situation that, you know, you he's a, lot, he's a lottery player, but he's playing on a, you know, a team that has, you know, playoff chops over the last few years. And, you know, he, he probably wasn't expecting to have the role that he is having this season. But the fact that he has been able to, you know, positively contribute is, is you know, probably the, the highlight to me of the Wizards season so far. Where, where, do you, where do you see the rest of the season headed? And we're about to. I'm going to preview the next few games here, and we'll we'll call this podcast today. We I've already ran you over, and we had some technical difficulties earlier, so I don't want to keep you too much. But what is your sense for the rest of this month, this this season? What should we expect? How optimistic uh, are you? We're, we're talking uh, short term here, right? Do give me both. Okay, so. I mean, short-term outlook for this team, I think that, you know, there's we started the five-game homestand. There's still three games left. 
Um, Miami coming into town tomorrow night, and I believe that you know they they're just as banged up as the Wizards are right now. You know, I know Wade has been missing a few games, Rodgers has been missing games, so and I think that this is a, a perfect opportunity for them to you know kind of get the season back on track. They, the Wizards need to you know pull a card out of the Portland Trailblazers playbook and, you know, show a little bit of character, you know, in a, in a very important game. And then after that, they, they have Charlotte, I mean, no, no, Utah, I'm sorry, Utah and then Boston. So, you know, if, if they can finish this, you know, next three homestands and at least win two of these games, I think that, you know, they can go into all-star break feeling confident, knowing that you know, they can compete when everybody is healthy. And I think that at this point of the season, I know that I was one of the people from uh, Truth About It who picked the Wizards to win the 50 games. I don't, I don't think that's really possible anymore. But, I mean, I think the Wizards, are, they, they've also, you know, caught, uh, caught a bad break with the Eastern Conference having improved as much as they have this past season. You know, and, and past years, the Wizards could, you know, be hovering around that 500 mark going into all-star break and still be very much in the thick of the playoff race. You know, now they're still at that same mark where they usually are around this time of year, but they're, they're the 12th team in the Eastern Conference because, you know, everybody else has gotten a step better. So, you know, I think that that, that alone has, you know, kind of made the Wizards situation a little bit more dire than it normally is. But as long as they can go into the All-Star break and, you know, string together a few wins, the schedule is going to get easier for them in the second half of the season. You know, like I said, they, they have yet to play the Philadelphia 76ers yet. They've only played the Nets once. You know, they, they, they still have a, a few games against uh, – you know, a few of those bad Western Conference teams. You know, there, there are going to be some a lot more games on the schedule going forward where the Wizards will be going into these games as, as favorite, and they should be coming out victorious. And, you know, I think that there might be a regression to the mean as far as the Eastern Conference is concerned. And I don't think that, you know, there's going to, you're going to need to get to the 50 win mark to make it into the playoffs like, that, you know, the Western Conference has been over the past few years. But I do believe that this team can get to, you know, 42 wins, 43 wins, you know, slightly above 500. And as long as they avoid the eight seed and don't have to play Cleveland, you know, I, I feel confident, you know, with the Wizards going into a series against any other Eastern Conference team. So, you know, while they have played very mediocre in the last, week or so, you know, I'm still cautiously optimistic that the team can still get it turned around. So basically the injuries, maybe getting Allen Anderson back, maybe getting Nene for more games, getting a healthy Bradley Beal, being able to gel with some of this, and then the schedule getting easier, right? Is, it, is that the positive yeah. sign that we have, right? And that the schedule is getting easier. Yeah. And then you'll have your rotation guys. You'll have your Humphreys back on, off the bench. You know, maybe you have a guy here and there, but you'll have your, your core dudes down the stretch playing some weaker opponents. 
and maybe catch lightning in a in a bottle again. Yeah, I think the uh, is that the, the best prospects we have at, at this. Um, the the Allen Anderson injury, I think, is a is a very interesting dynamic because with every week that goes by, and Anderson has you know yet to even you know return to on court activities, I think that you know his chances of contributing at all on the court this year are dwindling you know with every passing game, so I. I think that it would it, it might be a mistake for to assume that Edison is going to be able to contribute to this to this late run. Okay, I'll 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 take him out of there. How about just a healthy Beal, a healthy Otto, Nene for say three fourths of the games, <laughs> a healthy Wall. No, I think that yeah, the healthy Beal, the healthy Otto. Um, I think if, if Whitman is able to you know stick to you know, the final we played at the beginning of the year, I got lineup. If he, if he can just, just stay away from, you know, playing those two together, if he can, uh, you know, establish a little bit more trust into young Kelly Oubre and let him play a little bit more, let him kind of go through his board. Because, you know, honestly, I think they're going to need his defensive presence going down the stretch here. And I think that um, Garrett Temple deserves to definitely stay in the rotation, um, no matter what happens. You know, as far as you know, Anderson return or Porter return. I think that Temple has earned the right to to play, you know, significant minutes for the team going forward. And um, you know, I think that you know, if, if if there was a a move to be made with the Wizards, I think that the move would have to be bringing in a, another power forward who you know, can, you know, can kind of supplement uh, what Dudley is bringing to the team right now. Yeah, I, I believe that as well. It, and the trading deadline's coming up, and maybe we'll uh, I'll have some other podcasts, and we'll really maybe get into that <laughs> a little bit more. We we you know we kind of went in to, you know, dissected a lot of uh, in-game situations and, and talked about a lot of players that I haven't really mentioned much on the podcast so far and and for various reasons because this team has struggled so much and we've had such bigger picture things going on that sometimes haven't gave props to a Sessions, haven't gave props to a Temple, you know, you know, Neil's had some some good games here and there and it's, it's you know, it's been, I think it's a benefit to allow to give them credit in, in a, in a, in a, in a black and white world where everything, everyone sucks, everyone's awesome, and sometimes you overlook some of the positive contributions that people, that uh, players give out, especially when you watch these teams from a night-to-night basis. You'll be like, he had a bad game. Oh, he sucks. And then he's, you know, overall he's been okay. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think that, you know, sometimes in life you have to appreciate the, the B-side tracks of your favorite album. Oh, the B-sides. Oh, wow. We, we can get into uh, uh, some, some music, some, some Meek Mill. What do you think of the disc, the Meek Mill disc? What, five months later? Who writes a disc five months no, later? No, it's, 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 it's way too late, in my opinion. I think that that battle is already over. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? Like, Meek, you're like the joke of all, you're like the butt of all the jokes, dude. Like, that's, yeah, I guess... It, you know, I don't. I haven't listened to it. I read it. It seemed like people seemed to thought it was okay, but 
I thought the whole point of a diss track was to, you know, beef is beef right away, not not sit there and let yeah, it exactly. stir. Exactly. <laughs> kind of missed the whole point, I, dude. I, I feel like uh, Meek, Meek Mill was, was buried alive when that, that uh, Twitter, was it, trigger fingers turned to Twitter fingers. When, when Drake dropped that line, it, it, was, it was over. Meek Mill, he was dead to me. Oh, it was so dope. And then, well, what also I find interesting on that whole thing is, you know, he's accusing Drake of having ghostwriters, and then it takes him five months to come back with a diss track. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it's complete nonsense. But you know what, though? I, I think, I think uh, Meek Mill is just giving Philly a, a, a bad name, and they're, they're just having one of the best years. Uh, I mean, one of the worst years. <laughs> in sports history or in rap history. <laughs> Let's just thank God that D.C. is and always will be better than Philadelphia. So. Well, I mean, I like I like Gold Link's new album. I don't know if you check that out. And Wale's put some good stuff out, too. So, you know, there you go. There you go, Meek. <laughs> D.C.'s coming. D.C.'s <laughs> yeah, coming. Yeah. Even, even though, uh, I don't know, Wale, his presence at the Verizon Center is starting to draw the ire of some hardcore wizard <laughs> fans. <laughs> The ambassador, people, people are just the ambassador. Listen, after after last year, I, you know, I have been lukewarm on Wale, you know, hit or miss, I can tell you. But last year, when, when we swept the we swept the Raptors, and he had the belt out, and he was talking all sorts of trash, and Drake had already left the building. I'm like, all right, dude, you're in for me, Wale. I got you now, man. You're 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 a Wizards fan. I'm gonna grace you to president. You're talking mad mad smack to all these fans. You got the belt out. It was it was pretty cool. Sweep the North. We were t- you know, it was a really really fun time. I was you know I'd had a few few beers uh, as a fan in the phone booth that night. It was a good time. So Wale, you, you got I give you a pass for all your questionable behavior to certain Wizards fans. <laughs> exactly. Like, he's, he's got to you know get put, put some of that uh, creative liaison uh, title and you know act that he has. Some of that to be used and, and kind of help the team out. We we actually should uh, start a movement where we blame uh, Wall's lack of All Star votes on the creative liaison. <laughs> that, that might be a new movement. <laughs> oh, I, I I specifically avoided that topic because I've I think I went on a twenty minute rant on the last podcast, which which you know which is has not really helped. Uh, his numbers have gone down, and I I think Zach Lowe today wrote. Uh, no, he did. Right, Zach Lowe wrote and endorsed him to be on the team for ESPN, which maybe will be a little bit influential, perhaps. Yeah. Add oh, some of the media. yeah. Actually, uh, I just read Zach Lowe he's talking about the Wizards, uh, talking about John Wall and how he's been playing uh, lazy uh, defense yes. this year. Yeah. And uh, uh, you know, I, I as a, as a fan who you know, watches literally every Wizards game, I would say that Wall's defensive intensity has been a little down this year. But, I mean, can you blame the guy? He's literally expending so much energy on the offensive end that, you know, he's, he's you know, he, he's, a, he's a little lazy on, on the switches. You know, uh, I think Zach Lowe wrote where he said he's, you know, standing straight up, looking around for, you know, the teammate, the teammates to do all of the work. So, you know, I think that I think that Wall gets a pass for you know not extending the energy, you know, every night like he you know has in years past. And I think that 
you know, a lot of it has to do with, just like you mentioned earlier, Wall might show up on the injury report, and then, you know, that it kind of goes away. Nobody ever asks any questions about it. And, you know, he's been playing through a lot of, a lot of pain, a lot of nicks and bruises. So, you know, I think that, you know, that might have, you know, something to do with, you know, his, his lack of intensity on the defensive back this year. I'm really sensitive to any national media bashing with John Wall, fair or unfair, in any capacity. Now, I will allow somewhat Zach Lowe because he has written stuff in the past that has proven that his criticism is more on the fair side than the unfair because that's not really what he delves in. But I do on this one nitpick a little yeah. bit. Nitpick a little bit. I don't really agree with it, totally his assessment. But what I do agree with was his endorsement for John Wall in the All-Star game. But what's going to happen is that Dwayne Wade is going to be one of the picks. And then I don't know how that all shakes out with the reserve guards. But that will be for another another podcast. And Troy, thank you so much for, for joining me. We might have to make this uh, two podcasts because we rambled on for a long time. Which which I know, hey, people love more, more free stuff to listen about about this team considering... I don't know what they what are they talking about this week on DC Sports Radio. I'm sure they're not talking much about the Wizards. I'm sure it's something to do about the the Redskins. It'll be all about Antoine Wendell's quotes tomorrow about how he doesn't like football. I'm sure that's what they'll talk about uh, tomorrow. Which you know, some guy that doesn't play on the team anymore, and they'll talk about that more than the actual Wizards playing the Heat. But hey, once again, <laughs> do I sound better? Yeah, yeah, once again, yo, thank, thank, thanks for having me, Adam and. Like this is the thing. We we, we got to hope that the Wizards can start giving the people something to talk about. Some some positive so some, let's, po- let's, some positive stuff. Not having a you know national media in the microscope on our shop and things aren't in order. Let's let's use the time to stay low and build, bring it back, and then once once the Wizards get hot, then. You know, all the media, they'll, they'll come back like the front runners that they are. Yes, all the sh- local media and national media, by the way, especially the local media. Uh, look at the shine. Look at the shine. <laughs> they'll shine yeah, it up. But hey, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of hard stuff. Yeah, Troy, uh, tell the people where to find you and uh, what you got going on. Yo. All right, yo. So, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my. Username is Troy Halliburton. It's T R O Y H A L I D U R. Um, I ramble a lot about the Wizards and sometimes give great uh, music selection too. Um, but yeah, you can find me uh, writing on truthaboutit.net always and uh, numberfire.com too. The best statistical uh, analysis website out there. So um, yeah, I mean, just on Twitter, talk about the Wizards. And, you know, in these D.C. streets uh, on my bike as soon as it warms up, though. <laughs> I got you, Troy. I right, will uh, go stock. <laughs> stock get, get your supplies. Thanks for having me. Cool, dude. Get your supplies. Uh, yeah, early. I'm, I'm getting my supplies ready, man. I'm trying to get, I'm to get snowed in. Snow Doom's Netflix coming. Netflix and chill. <laughs> there you go, man. Snow Doom is coming. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Well, hey, thank you, everyone. I uh, really appreciate uh, your support and everything else. I got an, uh, another guest coming on, 
uh, national writer for for a magazine and a Wizards fan, so that'll be the next uh, this your tease uh, for the next podcast. And uh, as always, uh, go with. Yeah, I learned a lot in such a short amount of time. Everything that's fucking fine, I go to dang mine. Met you when I was like maybe 15 years old, and you just act a little older. Plus, I heard you came from Arizona, and that was new, so I was popping up at house parties, riding fucking dirty with the older niggas riding for me. And they just told me how the game works. I said, fuck it, I'ma put the rock in my lot of dumb shit, but fuck it. Was my initial thought when I had met you. I was sitting in the bleachers when your girls approached me, and they threw away your number like it wasn't taking that something. I told them, baby, I'm nothing, say why you wanna choose me. They go and walked away. I prayed to God, it felt so right, I never knew the devil fucking with this night. So if you ever try to blame it on me, no, I blame it on my dick, no, I'm sick, yeah. Run to ya, yeah. Nakakainis talaga siya. Pero iniisip ko na mahal na mahal. Parang palagi kami magkasama, pero may tiwala na ako sa kanya eh. Lahat na yung bantao na dumating bago sa kanya, wala na sila. Run through your clip, you pissed on trip. I'ma have to bust you with your lips and the whips. Better have a whole lot of chips, cause I ain't for no newbie giving tips. Run through your clip, you pissed on trip. I'ma have to bust you with your lips and the whips. Better have a whole lot of chips, cause I ain't for no right for no yeah, 19, I got a new meaning. Rock, monk, beats, got same searching for a deeper meaning. Still burning women. What a deadly contradiction, nigga, Tony, with the physical and spiritual. Looking back over my life, and what a fucking trip. I could have loved this bitch and lost myself so I could please a bitch and never please a bitch. Is what I learned, and then I went away from everything. I started searching for one well. Uh, more bitches, more money, more drugs. How my niggas started rapping, went west, started drugging, pick rapping. They chose, I blew my crew, got big split wigs, still rap, more rap. We battle, we fight, we won big one. No pun, all skill, no bitch on my click. Young nigga, no whip. My nigga. Cause legit and I pray for my clan and my squad while I run through your